Greetings, church and friends of the church. This is the scripture lesson and sermon from the March 20th, 2022 uh, worship gathering of the Valley Forge Presbyterian community. Uh, the scripture is from the first letter of Peter, the fourth chapter, the first six verses. The author writes, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, Arm yourselves also with the same intention. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has finished with sin. So as to live for the rest of your earthly life, no longer by human desires, but by the will of God. You have already spent enough time in doing what the Gentiles like to do, living in licentiousness, passions, drunkenness, revels, carousing, lawless, idolatry. They're surprised that you no longer join them in the same excesses of dissipation, and so they blaspheme. But they will have to give an accounting to him who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was proclaimed even to the dead, so that though they've been judged in the flesh as everyone is judged, they might live in the spirit as God does. So in this episode, we continue a series of reflections on this first letter of Peter, written originally to encourage Christians that had gone to live in towns and villages that were not operating by Christian ways of being, ethics, norms, expectations. Uh, in this episode, we consider the author's invitation to those Christians living in these places to be reformed, transformed, changed, to become different as we commit to life as a Christian rather than our allowing our desires and fears that are cultured within us to dictate ultimately who we are. So the author writes, since Christ suffered in the flesh, in other words, since Jesus always denied the physical needs and desires of the self, seeking to do what was right rather than what was easy or safe or self-serving in response to fear or desire. Arm yourselves, Christians, with that same intention. Your life is now to be this 24-7 exercise in living with the same prayerful intentionality to deny those self-serving actions and attitudes that are birthed out of your own fears and desires. Arm yourselves with the intention to do the same, not just during a particular hour on a Sunday morning or in a particular building or a Zoom meeting. Arm yourselves with the intention to live every moment of every day in pursuit of something other than serving yourself. When we do this, and we must acknowledge that none of us can do this perfectly, but because perfection isn't the point, when we do this to the best of our imperfect ability, we're choosing faithfulness instead of sin. Not just in religious places and hours, but at all times, home, work, school, social places, political places, we are those who seek to deny the fears and the desires of the self that lead to attitudes and actions that are sin, that are ungodly, unloving, unhelpful and oppose God's work in and through us all for the sake of justice and peace. As I am a child, a spouse, a parent, a grandparent, 
Are my actions and words used in search of what I desire or in avoidance of what I fear? Or are they used in pursuit of God's will for me and my family? In corporate, social, political spaces, are my actions and words being used in search of what I desire or in seeking to avoid what I fear? Or are they being used in seeking the well-being of others in, in accordance with God's will of peace? When we choose what is godly over what is self-serving or gratifying, the author writes that we are finished with sin. Not that we've become better than others or perfect, rather that we've eliminated the root cause of sin, both individually in our own actions, but then also together corporately. As more and more choose to sacrifice what would be preferential or gratifying to the self, and instead choosing what's best for the other, best what what is best for all. So much of what the church has tried to tell the world over the last few hundred years is about how individuals can rid themselves of the guilt and liability of their sin. They're concerned with heavenly and not earthly. You know, pray this prayer and your sin will not be held against you at the threshold of the next life. You'll be, you'll be welcomed into heaven rather than sentenced to an eternity in, you know, King of Prussia, Route 202 at rush hour, whatever hell you think is yours to bear. But what the church was failing to say all these centuries was that Jesus didn't just come to get select people into heaven. Rather, he came to bring a healing into wholeness and peace in this whole world. He sought to lead us and reorient our lives here so that we would not have to face as many negative and harmful earthly consequences of fearful and selfish action. Jesus sought not just to instill within us a sense that our imperfection will not be held against us in judgment when facing that transition to the next life, but to help us to change and become different people who did not choose with fear and desire actions to serve the self to the detriment of one another. He sought to lead humanity on this lifelong journey of being restored and reformed so that the sinful ways of which we are capable would more and more be left behind. And so that the fruits of those sinful ways, war, poverty, hunger, oppression, segregation, homelessness, racism, that these would all be uprooted and removed from the human community here. Arm yourselves with the intention to recognize, to pause, and then to overcome those impulses born of your desires and fears that cause so many of us to live impulsively in service of the flesh, the self. Instead, deny those impulses, even when you know that will lead to sacrifice, risk, uncertainty, or suffering. As you intentionally choose a different kind of life, the author says it this way. We arm ourselves with this intention so as to live the rest of our earthly lives no longer by human desires, but by the will of God. Again, the will of God for the rest of our earthly lives is about way more than one hour per week of obligatory religious activity or what beliefs we hold intellectually in our minds in order to earn some heavenly ticket. The will of God for all people is that we might all obey truth and love deeply, do what is right, live with gentleness and hope, 
and in choosing the will of God at all times and in every place, setting aside his fearful and selfish ways, instead seeking and pursuing a peace that includes all people in a community of mutual concern and common well-being. And this is not just a switch that gets flipped with one prayer. I'm saved. But this is a lifelong journey, an up and down struggle of seeking to be finished with sin and the ways that it hurts and fractures. The author reminds them, and maybe we all need to hear this reminder in our own ways. Hey, listen, you've, you've already spent enough time in your life doing those things that the Gentiles like to do. The Gentiles being those who in that time had not yet come to know the love of God and God's invitation upon their lives to discover the most meaningful and joyful ways of living in pursuit of God's peace. You've already spent enough time doing these things that served your desires and sought to alleviate your fears. You've already spent enough time chasing your desires, trying to cover up your wounds and fears with sex and drugs and rock and roll, with all manners of revelry. You've only avoided and delayed that hard work of healing that will bring you into truly good living. As that desire chasing has left you unfulfilled always. You've already spent enough time trying to alleviate your fears through lawless idolatry. You've tried making money your idol. You've tried making homes and possessions your idol. You've tried making authority and success your idol. You've tried making social movements and tribes your idol. You've tried making political movements and leaders and objectives your idol. And all these efforts, you've placed your trust in these things to take away your fears that your life and your future won't be good or sufficient. And yet those fearful efforts have left you just as afraid as ever. They've not delivered on their promise to bring you the good life. And in the process, they've claimed so much of your time and energy that could have been committed elsewhere. And they've divided you as a community. So Christians, congregations, you've already spent enough time in living in ways that are the same as those in the world around you who are not seeking to be godly. You've already spent enough time seeking the fulfillment of your desires and preferences in your lives together. You've already spent enough time seeking churchy revelry. You've already spent enough time making idols of pastors and buildings and programs. It's God's will for you, for us, that we would not be the same as the world around us, but that we would be different. Not better, more worthy, but different. More healed, more wise, more Christ-like, more whole. It's God's will that we would be finished with sin rather than living by church-flavored sinfulness. We've, we've already spent enough time living by human desires rather than the will of God. Church, congregations, Christians, you've already spent enough time creating headlines about licentious scandals, unbridled passions for human systems of belief and practice that exclude and judge and harm others, and the tragic irony of your own idolatry. Rather than the world seeing the church as this flawed and hypocritical institution that claims to be different, but in reality is the same sinful humanity wrapped up in churchy words and dress, dressings. The church is to truly be different, not because of some supposed proximity to God or moral righteousness or with the insider knowledge about how to get into heaven, because we are trying our best to be physically finished with sin, because we no longer operate with the same 
fearful or self-serving physical excesses. When the church has finished living in ways that are not aligned with God's will and our, and our faithfulness is embodied in all that we are and all that we do and all that we seek to do, the church is revealed as different from the world. Whereas capitalist norms that prioritize money over people and individualistic and tribal norms that prioritize the self or the tribe over the common good, while those would compel us to make certain decisions with fear and self-serving impulses about who is welcome in our community and what we ought to do with our buildings and our money and our time, God's will of peace and peacemaking compels us to make different decisions, compels us to be different. This is a lifelong cycle as we for, forever seek to be reformed and changed in the direction of becoming more Christ-like, more healthy, more faithful, and more whole. When the church is finished living in ways that are sinfully self-serving of human desires and instead prepares the way for God to work in and through its people to serve the will of God, it causes surprise among the world. As we talk with friends and neighbors about our plans for our good work within the Valley Forge community, what we're going to do with our resources and our time, what our focus is going to be, whom we're going to trust as the voice that's guiding us, and that being God and not ourselves. As we tell our friends and neighbors about these plans to offer food and housing and care for children, our decision to set aside our own desires and to do something that's uncertain, that's challenging, and that's difficult for the sake of others, well, that is surprising. But that surprise is an opportunity for the church to demonstrate the way of Jesus to all those who have not yet come alive spiritually, who feel in a moment of judgment that their norms and their idols and their hopes are, are leaving them wanting. And in seeing in us that God's will for our life is good, full of joy and purpose, even amidst such sadness and trial and challenge, that, that they might be compelled to live by God's will of peace also. Instead of continuing to think that we churches and Christians must attract others unto the rightness of our ways and understanding so that they too might get their heavenly ticket, we have a different message as this church community to the larger community. The gospel is proclaimed in words of peace. It's embodied in deeds that intentionally leave sinful, self-serving ways behind and instead serve to further God's will of peace. This witness of our deeds will inspire far more of our neighbors to live in the spirit of peace than any sermon ever will. So let us keep up the good work. With God's help, may it be so. Take care, all. Peace be with you.